I'm feeling a bit emotional because it's the last podcast. Save it. Save <laughs> it. Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. Today is December 3rd, 2021. The Coconuts Podcast is your home for top trending news and pop culture from all across Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Nurul Azlia. And I'm Andrew Nazri. Have I told Hello. you, Nurul, hmm. that, yes. that your non-chatting voice is lovely? I'm not okay. saying chatting voice is not lovely. I'm just saying it's like it sounds so professional when you're reading off a script. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. I guess it's a compliment, but I guess not. But I'll it take is. it. <laughs> it is kind of. <laughs> anyway, yeah, what a way it's to It's a half lead. and half. Yeah, what a way to lead into what is the last episode of the current Coconuts podcast season. <laughs> it's yeah. been a long run. Yeah, I do feel kind of emotional. I didn't mm-hmm. feel it just now, but now suddenly that now we're on air, it's hitting me. I don't know how to describe it. <gasps> well, you, you, you're you're sad about doing extra work every Thursday. I'm kidding. I love this. I love doing this. <laughs> uh, yeah, that as well. But not only that, because, you know, it's one of the very rare times I get to like just sit down and chat mm. with you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, we're not even, I mean, even in Singapore, we're still not in the office. It's its still work from home by default. And I'm pretty sure it's still the same for other cities. Is it still the yeah. same in uh, Jakarta? No, yeah, kind of. We're like, it, yeah. there's like capacity limitations and all that. But yeah, likewise, right. man. Like, like I came into um, the hosting duties, I think like more than halfway through the season. But it's great, like being able to chat with people who i i wouldn't otherwise meet regularly mm-hmm. like yourself because we're in different mm-hmm. cities obviously i'm in jakarta and you're in singapore and yep. yeah yeah i mean that's how it is these days um but looking forward to when we can be in a room together again totally get what you mean like when the pandemic started actually in the in the beginning i was kind of enjoying the isolation because i'm quite an introverted person but i think like now we're 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 wrapping up year two of the pandemic and i'm Mm. just so sick and tired of it already like i am ready to be a social butterfly but yeah a deprived one obviously (laughs) yeah anyway what do we have do you have anything special for uh, today's episode give Today, we are going to look back at the year and talk about all of the fabulous coconut stories that has gotten um, people talking on the internet. Everything Mm. that's happening in Bali, yeah, across all of the cities that we cover, Bali, Bangkok, Yangon, Jakarta, KL, Singapore. Did I miss anyone? No. Uh, Manila. uh, Oh, my God. (gasps) I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. We love you, Sam. Um... (laughs) So yeah, kaleidoscope, so to speak, like the best of. The greatest hits. Um, But before we go into that, let's go into the top stories of the week. From a man painting artwork with his PP to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out. Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. So let's start off in Bali. Um, Noro, what do you not do when you're abroad? Disrespecting other people's cultures and religion, obviously. Yeah, well, that is exactly what this um, Danish man by the name of Lars Christensen did two years ago. And um, he had actually just served time in prison 
for kicking a shrine, you know, where the Balinese Hindus place their offerings to gods. He kicked that shrine two years ago, and it was um, it was an incident that was caught on video. So Christensen is facing deportation from Indonesia following his time served. So just to give a bit of a context, he was first reported by his ex-wife for damaging the shrines at her house in October 2019. And the neighbor filmed the whole thing. So the ex-wife then reported the act of vandalism to the police and then arrested the guy. But the the Christensen actually kind of defended himself. He, he said he was actually taking down a statue in the shrine to replace it with another one. But I don't know why he thought kicking it would be a respectful way of doing that. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, he got arrested and then found, he was found guilty for blasphemy and sentenced to seven months in prison. Um, Now that he's out, the immigration office is like, yeah, fuck this dude. He disrespected us. He's he's got he's got to leave persona non grata. Yeah. Well, he's going back in time for Christmas. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Might just be a good thing for him. Yeah. I don't know if Omicron has got anything to say about that with regards to travel restrictions. But another possibility is that he might be in limbo for a bit. So. Oh, like stuck in quarantine. Yeah. Throughout Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's possible. That, yeah. That's punishment enough, I hope. Yeah, I know that like the whole world is just afraid of Omicron and we're like talking about it as if it's like an entity. <laughs> yeah. But it's just Okay, I know we don't really know much about it, but so far initial rec- uh, initial reports say that it's not um severe. Mm. A lot of people are saying yeah. that it's still mild. Like a lot of people who have been infected by it are showing mild symptoms. So it it kind of feels like just another COVID, like a maybe COVID's younger sister or something, who's had Delta's, y- Delta's younger, a little bit kinder sister. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in Bangkok, um, the LGBT community came out strong in the streets recently because. Uh, they're having a rally. I mean, they had a rally campaigning for the legalization of same-sex marriages. And our very own reporter, Chayanin Itipong Maiti, was there to win a seat in real life. So this campaign for um, the legalization of same-sex marriages has been going on for quite a while and we haven't seen much progress, but it's nice to see that the community is not backing down. They're still coming out strong. I mean, the recent events saw like huge crowds and a lot of them were um, showing a lot of love uh, according to like some of the photos, some of these beautiful photos that um, mm. Chinese took. Some of them wore wedding dresses, obviously brought out their rainbow flags and the placards. And besides the whole event, there was also a petition and, wow, nearly 100,000 people signed the petition uh, demanding the rights of gay couples in Thailand to get married. Pretty cool. Please check out the article on Coconuts Bangkok to see all the photos taken by our reporter. Out of all the cities that we're in, that we cover, or like countries rather, it's kind of safe to assume that Thailand is among the most tolerant, right? For um, the LGBTQ plus community. It does feel that way for Southeast Asia, right? Yeah, yeah. Specifically, yeah. Just for, for the Southeast Asian region, it does feel like Thailand is 
a lot of people feel safe. A lot of people in the LGBT community feel safe there. Mm. Yeah, but this event, like, um, there's this 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 uh, phrase that sticks out that that to me tolerated but unequal because authorities only gave them like half of an intersection to hold the rally, mm. um, which kind of goes to show that yeah, LGBT people are recognized uh, in Thailand, but then they're not given uh, full rights, so to mm. speak, as as the rest. Yeah. But you know, it's it's still better than I don't know Singapore where it's actually illegal i feel like the the stand is is changing a little bit even though like nothing much nothing much is being done to the laws but i feel like like the things that you said to describe thailand like you have a place in society but you don't have that big of a place in society like this is the only place where we're assigning for you i feel like that is i can actually use that to describe singapore situation right now Mm. um yeah is it a good thing or a bad thing i don't know man like compared to in the 70s I feel like yeah. there's more space for the LGBT community now it's just really just to keep on pushing for uh, equality yeah that's that uh, we, we do need these rallies uh, mm. everywhere because as you said a few years ago it's persecution now it's limited space you know it's progress uh, but yeah. we, we have to keep pushing absolutely yes 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 like you can't just be complacent because I mean the LGBT community um, like they haven't really achieved 100% of their goals. So yeah, just keep on fighting. Yeah, and just to uh, the homophobes who may or may not be listening, the, the goals that you speak of, they're not they're not nothing malevolent or anything like that. They just want to live like everybody else, you know? Yes. Without yeah. fear, without ridic- being ridiculed and all that. So yeah, chill right. your, just chillax people. Yeah, chillax. It's, <laughs> it's not gonna me. like threaten your existence or something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, to a bit of a, a lighter news, we actually have a feature story out of Coconut Tonga, which is actually quite interesting. Woot woot. Um, so the 2024 P- Paris Olympics, uh, I did not know it was gonna be held in Paris until today when reading <laughs> you the did story. <laughs> I didn't. I for I. They announced it at the closure of the recent Olympics, I know, dude. <laughs> I know. I I like opening ceremonies. I never watch closing ceremonies because it's like boring. Like half the delegation's gone home already, right? <laughs> okay, so, fair enough. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's gonna be in Paris by 2024. I hope COVID's gonna be fully gone by then, so we can probably go to Paris and watch this. Anyway, yes, uh, I, there's gonna be a new competition quote-unquote sport at the paris olympics and that is break dancing yeah about time and um break dancing requires a lot of physical yeah you know prowess you know and like flexibility and all that but i never thought it would be it would be a an olympic sport neither did kong mon chai who is uh gonna represent hong kong in the in 2024 that's the quote, the 34-year-old, he said, I didn't expect that breaking could be a sport in a world event, but it's happening. It's like what happened with skateboarding at the at the Japan Olympics, right? Like, I didn't expect that to happen, but it's quite interesting to see all these new cities like uh, welcoming uh, fringe sports into the game. Oh, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm an old school kind of guy when it comes to the Olympics. I watch like swimming and all the uh, traditional sports. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was aware that skateboarding was a thing, 
Yeah, I only know there was a the uh, there was this young Japanese girl who won the skateboarding. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah, that. and then like the runner-up, I think, was this uh, Brazilian girl, like teenager. I think she actually went viral on, on online before for for her skateboarding, and she competed, but she didn't win. She didn't get like gold or something. Yeah, it was the Japanese girl who got it. Like, wow, it's pretty mm. inspiring stuff, man. Like they're achieving like world championship status <laughs> at such a young age. Yeah, I just wonder though, like you know, Tony Hawk. He's like a skateboarding legend.、Mm. I wonder if he's like, oh, why, why didn't this happen when when I was much younger and my knees were still、um, <laughs> functioning? <laughs> yeah, but,、um, true that. But you know, maybe if Olympics existed back then, like he wouldn't have all these ideas to come up with, like skateboard games and whatever things he he has under his、oh, yeah. franchise. <laughs> yeah, he's he's freaking loaded.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, do check out the feature story by Candy Wong in、um, Coconuts Hong Kong, detailing Kong Mun Chai's rise and spins and whatever you call it. I yeah, this is not my thing. <laughs> Uh, break dancing, but、uh, it's really cool. It's it, that's all I can say. Really awesome you, to look you, at. You can literally break your bones, you know, with this. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Quite, I'm not belittling it. I'm not belittling it as a like a, as a physical achievement. It's amazing, but I just don't. I'm not. I'm not that into it. You know, <laughs> the guy has quite a cute nickname. It's Cha Cha Kong. Cha Cha Kong. Anyways, in Jakarta, damn, Jakarta's tightening gathering restrictions again.、Yeah. So now the. Agents in the city will only be allowed to go out in pairs. So start booking like like going out on dates, I guess.、Mm. <laughs> so everyone can go out in pairs only from now till December thirteen. But、um, there might be an extension that could last till Christmas Eve. Why? Yeah. No. So strategic.、Uh, I, no, they're doing a.、Uh, they're doing it like even stronger, like even more strict restrictions from Christmas Eve until after the New Year. Okay. It's not so, this so much like because this is like a gradual tightening, like to yeah, give them a hit just、up. just a warm up.、Mm. It's、mm-hmm. not so much because we're we're recording like、uh, more cases or anything like that. It's because、uh, our tracing levels have dropped below WHO standards in Jakarta. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I didn't know com- they've been com- monitoring. I I know I don't even know the numbers like for sure, but that's what the the senior minister said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> If there's a sign for complacency, that is it. So yeah, man, it's good. It's good that we're getting a kick up the backside. Yeah, because when I first read the story, I initially thought that you know, okay, Jack. I initially thought that Jakarta is jumping on the、um, Omicron fears because that's what's happening around the world right now. Everyone is just、mm. panicking that this new variant might come knocking at their door.、Um, yeah, but apparently it's not about that. It's about it's about they've been sl- slacking on their tracing, basically. Tracing, yeah. Like the cases、mm. are still low and everything. The vaccination rate's still high. It's just the、mm. tracing.、Mm. Yeah. Okay, I guess it's a good thing because you know you would want to step up on your tracing efforts just to make sure you detect Omicron when it comes. Oh yeah, right. And yeah. unless you're still like, in denial, like no, Omicron is not here. We haven't found that, it yet, but actually there are like one thousand、yeah. cases already. <laughs> That's the official line. That's the official government line for sure. <laughs> but we did, we did, we did、um, close our borders to like ten African nations and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Not so much the European nations who have also recorded Omicron cases, and Australia, and Australia. So, 
<laughs> oh my god, there's so many contradictions. It's everywhere already. Just brace for it. <laughs> Just fucking get vaccinated, wear a mask, and wash your hands. That's it. Yeah. Ugh. And then stay at home. Go out sometimes so you don't go crazy. Um, speaking of crazy, uh, <laughs> we, go, we go over to Coconuts KL. I had no idea, like, given the crime that they committed, that uh, Malaysia's disgraced former Prime Minister Najib Razak is still out and about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait. So was he ever imprisoned? I, I, or still nope. is, is the whole thing still like is he on trial still? Uh, so the trial has been divided into oh. multiple tranches, and he's been convicted of the first for the first tranche for uh, money laundering and bribery. Uh-huh. And um, but he's appealing that. So he's he he's been convicted already for the first tranche. Yeah. But he's appealing it. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. That's and why. By right, he wouldn't be able. To, he shouldn't be able to leave the country. But you know. Yeah, pe- people in power. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. to kind of put them behind bars for real. You know. Mm. Um, but that is exactly why Najib Razak and his uh, wife Rosma Mansour was able to. Um, I don't know. Somehow get their passports back and travel over to Singapore to greet their new grandchild. Yep. Um, you go over to coconut scale you will be able to see the loving grandparents holding said grandson yeah so just a bit of a background obviously najib was heavily involved in the 1mb and um rosma as we know is uh, quite a character has mm-hmm. a huge collection of birkin bags they're pretty expensive right pretty they're like the most <laughs> expensive luxury bags ever yeah yeah more than Hermes. So yeah, uh, they they actually had. <laughs> there their, are Hermes back. <laughs> Hermes, yes, I got it right. Yes, um, yeah. Najib and Rosma actually had their passports confiscated back in 2018, but they mm-hmm. got them back somehow, right? Yeah, they applied to court, and the court mm. granted them the permission. It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if us regular people could do that. Obviously, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you do you do you do you feel happy for them or do you feel like do you feel happy for the that the grandson was able to meet his grandparents before I don't know their incarceration or do you feel sad for him that he was born into this family? <laughs> it's a pretty crazy family from all the stories that were that were reported about them. Oh wow, that is such a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not speak on behalf of the little little baby. <laughs> Poor baby, but cute baby though. Um, glad mm. the baby managed to, you know, see the world from starting with Singapore, <laughs> in a <laughs> private hospital somewhere. Um, oh. yeah, and uh, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just glad the baby's healthy and um, protected so far from the family's drama, and like completely unaware of what unfolded, like in past five years or so hopefully i'm just hoping that he grows into a decent human being that's all anyone could ask for right yeah that (laughs) is the hope (laughs) (laughs) it'll be it'll be tough for him oh is it though will it be you know like you know um they're quite a well-off family it's hard for me to sympathize with privileged clans (laughs) yeah we'll see Okay, so in the Philippines, uh, those near Mount Pinatubo had a little scare this week when a minor volcanic explosion sent smoke into the air. 
the local authorities are still monitoring the situation because seems like it's not a major thing yet. It's just minor explosions. Um, but they are already prohibiting entry into the area. So nobody's allowed to go and explore the mountain. And um, everyone's advised to stay prepared. I'm not sure how do you prepare yourself for a volcanic explosion. Do you know? Um, you just get your bags ready in case you have to evacuate, I suppose. Right. And that's like that's the the risk as well comes in the evacuation uh, shelters and all that uh, with with this risk of COVID nineteen spread and all that. So I guess you, they got to stock up on masks as well and sanitary Shit. products. Yeah, it's it's okay. tough. Yeah, but I wonder the, do, the do you start? That's to... a cute name. No, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's just a really cute name. I just hope it doesn't <laughs> explode because it's cute. <laughs> I just wonder, um, do people start thinking about where to rebuild their homes? Because there is a possibility that their homes might get damaged. I mean, depending on where it's located, obviously. I mean, it's, very, it's really close to the mountain and then like lava starts pouring down and drowning all the properties in the area or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like in Indonesia where people live near active volcanoes, a lot of them aren't exactly well off that they can't even yeah. afford to 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 think of alternative places of residence right, um, right, right they're just like okay if this happens to us this happens to us um, right let's just we'll f- try to stay alive mm-hmm. that's like the most important thing and then later on we can figure out what to do next yeah i hope nothing big happens out of this volcano situation just keep it there just stay minor <laughs> just just <laughs> rumble a little bit yeah nothing and then go back to that. sleep <laughs> yeah Anyway, uh, we go to a place where there are no volcano threats. Mm. But, oh my God, this is... Uh, let me ask you, how much is a, a gallon of milk or a pint of milk, rather, in Singapore? Uh, I spend six Singapore dollars on a bottle of milk. Holy, wow. That is insane to me. How much do you spend? Like, probably one-sixth of that. <gasps> in I've been cheated on my life. This is daylight robbery. Now I hate Singapore more. (laughs) (laughs) Like a third of that. Anyway, um, Singapore has been named the world's second most expensive city. Are you surprised? Have you you been feeling it coming? I am not surprised. I am neither proud of it. I'm just (laughs) like, my question is, how much more expensive is it now? (laughs) Because... Yeah. We keep getting into all these surveys and apparently for some people um it's something to be proud of, which I cannot yeah. I cannot wrap my head around it. But yeah. for me it's like I feel even loaded. Right? Like every time I hear mm. stories like this, I feel even more suffocated. But yeah, okay, Crazy sorry. Rich Singaporeans. Um but you know what the silver lining is? What's that? Uh, Singapore is not outright second. You're sharing the second place spot with Paris. Who were once number one in the world. Oh, so it's cheaper to be in Paris now? No, it's the same. What's what they're saying. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's like mm. the same. Okay. So I'll be yeah. spending six dollars on a bottle of milk in Paris as well. Yeah. <laughs> and probably uh eight dollars for a baguette. Oh. And croissants. <laughs> and anyway, croissants. This was based on a survey by Worldwide Cost of Living Survey by The Economist. And number one in the world is the Israeli capital, Tel Aviv. And there's actually an upward trend of um, inflation rates across basically the world um, since, you know, the pandemic accelerated inflation like everywhere. Just to uh, give an example, 
the the average inflation rate this year rose to 3.5% from 1.9% last year and 2.8% in 2019. So Mm. yeah, everything's getting a bit uh, pricier everywhere, basically. I do feel the pinch though, just this year alone. Because like like towards the end of, I think it was only like last month, I started to like really look through my expenses and try to figure out why the hell am I spending more when I don't even go out much? Is it is it choppy? No, it... <laughs> it's mostly groceries, and it's like oh, I don't okay. even eat more than I normally do. It's like the same, but it's just the cost is just higher. Well, yeah, six dollar bottle of milk. What the hell, man? Right? Yeah, and like even crazy. bread is like more expensive. It's like I. I don't recall spending two bucks on just a loaf of bread and there are like uh, eight slices in it. <laughs> in Is Singapore one of those places where it's probably actually cheaper to um, eat at like a hawker center regularly than cooking your own food? Because the hawker centers are so cheap, right? Like the food there. Or yeah. actually kind of gone up in I price guess. as well. But you know, um, yeah, I can I can say that that's correct for the majority of Singaporeans. Yeah, but... It, I think if you're happy to eat traditional Chinese food every day, then because there's abundance of that, like everywhere you mm. go, there are like coffee shops selling Chinese food and a lot of the hawker centers are like major, majority of the shops at hawker centers sell uh, Chinese food, like a variety mm. of Chinese food. And then if you have, you follow a halal diet, then it's very limited and you, I'm, I don't think you want to eat like Indian Muslim food every freaking day. Obviously, you want to cook. And mm. uh, yeah, so. Well, life sucks. good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, I just wanted to, I just saw like the other cities that are in this ranking. And two of them are in Switzerland and the other two are in America. Hong Kong is also on the list. So we've got Zurich, Hong Kong, New York, Geneva. Copenhagen, Los Angeles, and Osaka. Osaka is actually more expensive than Tokyo. That's surprising. Huh. I've never been, but I'll I'll check it out. Okay, in Yangon. So we don't know whether it's like a fear of backlash, um, trying to show solidarity with the protesters, or um, they're just concerned with the safety of workers. But there's this mall in Yangon that is said to be one of the busiest there. Um, that mm. mall has gone quiet now after um, a number of stores decided to shut. Um, The mall is called Myanmar Plaza, and all of these closures happened after there was a clash between the mall's guards and a bunch of protesters who were there. They were protesting against the military's um, violence against women. So just for context, like the uh, rate of violence um, against women in Myanmar is currently very high. There's reports of, you know, the military having employed like rape against Rohingya women and um, they're brutalizing um, women who were involved in protest movement ever since the February coup. So Mm. um, a lot of people are feeling really strongly about all of this violence against women. And then that's why there are protesters demonstrating um, about this. So a group of them were there at the mall and then uh, rallying and, and showing the Hunger Games sign and all mm. that and chanting. And then the security guards assaulted them. Yeah, some of them got away. And that incident was reported and then everybody got word of it online. And then it obviously sparked enrage. A lot of people were angry with the mall, the mall's management and how they were reacting to demonstrators. 
And then suddenly, a lot of the stores in the mall started to close down. Yeah. Some of them didn't say anything about whether they were supporting the protesters or not. Some of them cited just, you know, they were concerned about the safety of their workers. Um, mm. Or maybe, yeah. yeah. It's rare that, that a mall gets cancelled, eh? Yeah, that's true. I've never heard of, of a whole mall <laughs> getting cancelled. Like, like the whole mall. And it's like suppo- supposedly the most popular mall in town. Yeah. Like, wow. we don't need your capitalism. Like, shove it. I'd like to think that the stores, the tenants, are standing with the protesters. That's why I, I don't know. Think. Maybe I just live in a, in a utopia, utopia fantasy. So, like in a, my head, yeah, where everyone is equal, like have equal yeah. rights, and everybody votes, and like the election electoral system is not broken. Yep, <laughs> dictators don't exist. Dictators don't exist. Yeah. People actually practice democracy when they say they practice democracy. <laughs> oh, well. Damn, why am I so just, skeptical? Just, Maybe it's just this year. It is. Next year is going to be better, right? Am I right? Uh, that's the hope. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, that wraps up our top stories for the week. Before we move on to talk about our top stories for the year. And as we promised earlier, we are going to do a roundup of the top stories in coconuts in 2021. Yay! Um, Let's just go by alphabetical order again. And that means we'll go first to Bali, where um, we managed to interview a mermaid whose photo of her lying amidst piles of plastic waste went viral earlier this year and um, highlighted Bali's problem with what it calls its annual tidal trash wave. You know, I never knew that that there was such a thing as that, the annual tidal trash wave. I knew something along those lines was happening, like trash being washed up on people's beaches, but I didn't know it was like an annual thing. So I guess it was good. In Bali, it is. Yeah, sheesh. Because uh, November, December, you know, it's a rainy season. Yeah. And uh, like a lot of this waste comes from obviously from Bali itself, but then a lot of it is actually just comes from all the islands that surround it. Yeah, I'm Um, pretty sure some of it's from Singapore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, so in January, it was really, really bad that a woman living in Bali by the name of Laura who goes by Laura in Waterland on social media. She's an ocean advocate from Belgium. Mm. She took a really sweet photo or a series of photos of herself flying as if she was like, she felt intoxicated by all that waste around her. Mm -hmm. Um, Do check out the uh, story if you haven't already. This was Bali's top story of the year, but it was also one of the most popular stories in all of coconuts this year, um, which Mm -hmm. goes to show that, you know, there are a lot of people in our, our neck of the woods who do care about you know uh waste management and all that and this waste crisis that we have with uh especially with plastic waste in indonesia yeah yeah but i think like this plastic waste even in singapore it's like the most amount like we have so much um waste in singapore waters as well and like one of the top waste is plastic waste that's mm. like top in like a list of maybe 10 from the uh, according to the wwf like sheesh <laughs> yeah 
Damn. Yeah. But just just to give you an idea of how much plastic waste there was when the photo was taken, uh, when an official was uh, a, a sanitation agency official was asked about about the photos, they said that around forty trucks um, were used to haul the trash from the beaches along Kuta, Legian, and Seminyak since New Year's Day in early in twenty twenty one. What one truck one truck can load about two tons, so that's about. 80 tons they collected in the last three day in the three days, but just uh, to show how crazy this whole thing is, like in 2019, uh, an official then said that uh, that waste evacuated from the Badung coast was the highest in a decade, with 250 tons of waste collected daily during the tidal mostly... crash wave season. That's just crazy. That's just so much. This is mostly plastic waste. Yeah, mostly plastic right. waste. Where do they yeah. go? Where do the trucks take them to? I have no idea. Okay. It's a good question. Actually, we should look into that. Like throw it at another beach, probably. Oh, <laughs> or maybe they just keep it somewhere, and then by the time January rolls again, they just dump it in the ocean. And like, oh, look, another tidal trash wave. And then it's actually like the same trash coming back <laughs> again and again and again. <laughs> no, that is that is a conspiracy theory. Do not believe us. <laughs> that, that sounds ridiculous but yeah hopefully there's a <laughs> landfill somewhere or like an incinerator but hopefully. you know but this is Indonesia yeah. <laughs> I have to say though the girl got guts because I can I can never rest or like just just lie down on, on like a beach filled with trash but you know that's just me sounding like a spoiled bread from the city yeah obviously I wonder if she had itches all over her body afterwards. Pretty sure. Uh, she must have. <laughs> you can try let's check the in next w- time. Let's check wave. in with her. Yeah. Next Anyways, month. let's move on to Bangkok. One of the top stories for this year for Bangkok is something that has to do with this pretty terrifying video of uh, a lizard that invaded a 7-Eleven store. It's really like Jurassic Park in the flesh, right? If you watch mm. this video, I don't know. I still get a lot of like, like I'm just shocked that this shit happened in S M Eleven. So if you remember, there was this video that went viral in Bangkok, and it uh, showed this really big lizard. <laughs> <laughs> So in the beginning of the video, it doesn't really look harmful. It's like, okay, it's trying to open the, the fridge door. And then it started to climb onto the shelves. And then it started to climb like, like nine rows of shelves all the way to the top. And then it tried to uh, cross onto the top of an ice dispenser machine. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's like all the way up at the ceiling. So um, this monitor lizard, if you... Is it a monitor lizard? It's, yeah, it looks like one. It's right? a massive yeah. one. It's a yeah. beefy one, okay? It's yeah. damn long and like <laughs> fat. Fat and it's still hungry. <laughs> so, I wonder how it got fat. Has it been invading? Had it been invading like 7-Elevens across Bangkok? <laughs> I won't be surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised if that's that's what's happening. If uh, if if humans are invading his natural habitat, his or hers. I'm sorry. Mm. Not sure what the gender is. But it's not surprising that they're entering urban areas and specifically 7-Eleven. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he, he discovered convenience stores. Apparently, seems convenient to him now or her. He he didn't actually eat anything at the store, did he? The video didn't show. Mm, no, yeah. he, he's just 
rampaging through. Yeah, it's like taking over the convenience store. If he had a flag, I'm pretty sure he would like plant the flag there and, and claim his territory. <laughs> Godzilla land. Yes. If you watch the video, you can hear the people in the background um, reacting to it. It's like they're a mix of fear and just amused. Like you can hear them laughing, but at the same time, they're hysterical and then they're laughing again. (laughs) Anyway. Do check it out. Yeah. And uh, re-traumatize yourself. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I like monitor. I I like lizards, but not not so much monitor lizards. I've mentioned it here before. The way that they just... They just um they are pretty much everywhere in like sewers and everything. And then when they die, they kind of stink the whole place. Right. Right. It's just Do you see that often? Yeah. In in where I where I live anyway. Yeah. Right. But they they don't go into seven elevens. One, because we don't have seven eleven in Jakarta. And two, um, I don't know, they just stick to um sewers. So there's a lot for them to eat there, I think. And probably safer from humans. Yeah. Next up, we have Hong Kong rejected. I remember this story back in the 2020 Olympics, which was held in 2021, obviously, for COVID reasons. So um, Olympic cyclist Sarah Lee Weisse uh, seemingly rejected a call from Hong Kong chief executive Carrie Lam while the latter was going to give her a congratulatory call after um, she won Hong Kong's sixth medal at the Tokyo Games. <laughs> now, obviously, this was hugely amusing that it became um, Coconut Hong Kong's top story of the year. So there, was a, there, there might have been an element of um, this being unintentional, because when the call came when the 34-year-old Olympian was in, in the middle of a media interview about her victory and when the call came she let out she was like ah yeah and turned around and rejected the call probably not knowing that it was actually chief executive carrie lamb on the other end it's so hilarious i think the um, hong kong leader was on national tv as well and then coincidentally the uh Olympian was on national TV as well, but just different channels. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they wanted to speak, uh, Lam wanted to speak to her on live TV, but obviously she's on live TV herself and she's just been bombarded by like interview requests the whole day. So hence the unintentional, I think it was. Yeah. But like you say, there's that element of, yeah. Carrie Lam isn't exactly a popular figure in Hong Kong, Uh, hasn't been for the past few years, but do we know if Sarah Lee is not a fan? We don't really know, do we? No, no. That mm. whether she's pro democracy, we're not sure. Yeah. But anyways, eventually they managed to uh, link up and speak to each other. Lam and Sarah. Yeah, and um, <laughs> Lee actually won bronze in the women's sprint event in cycling. Yeah. So, um, congrats to her and uh, for being among the uh, few. Hong Kong athletes who managed to bring home a medal. And that go- that's the same with like the story, the countries that we cover. We weren't really swimming in medals. Mm. Uh, that, yeah, not that's Singapore either. Pretty big deal. Yeah. That's why I warranted a phone call from like the head of state. Yeah. You know, like there's a video, there's a very short video of the, um, of Sarah rejecting the call. And it got like so, like thousands of views. Up to now, like it's still out and you can still watch it. Like she just, y- you don't hear the ayah. I didn't hear the ayah actually. 
I just but I see her like she just like look and then she just like rejected and then continued with her interview. All right, let's move on from Hong Kong. Okay, so in Jakarta, there was this story that did so well, and it's about a yellow rice seller who <laughs> apparently looked like South Korean actor Lee Min Ho. Lee Min Ho, if you don't know, I mean, I cannot assume that everyone's a South Korean. A drama fan, right? So Lee Min Ho is a um, popular actor. He has starred in multiple dramas. I think one of the most popular one was Boys Over Flowers, something. Yes, that's right. And uh, that's all I'm gonna say about K dramas. Um, and this guy apparently looks like him. Uh, please go back and read our story and see whether he does look like Lee Min Ho because I don't think so. But he does have that. K-pop celebrity vibe going on though, that's for sure. So this seller, his name is Dodi Anga Andrianto. Um, mm-hmm. He became popular after a video of him uh, selling food uh, went viral on TikTok, mostly because of his looks, not so much of him selling food. And um, he said something about him struggling with the fame. Oh, poor you. Struggle with fame. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things he said was that people were coming to caress my hands, asking me to come with them. But I'm a professional. I still sell my nasi kuning, which is yellow rice. <laughs> that is just so that was <laughs> that was what he said. But you know what? If you go back to his TikTok account, like you go check his TikTok account now, yeah. I don't see any struggle at all because dude is like singing and performing at his store with his guitar. I don't see any struggle with fame. He's actually, he seems to be basking in it. He's like enjoying so it. So when we did this back in April, he was just showing fake humility then. I uh, don't know about that. Maybe <laughs> we should follow up with him, but he's definitely this enjoying opa. the fame. That is all I'm going to say. Yeah. God, there's this other quote where he said, I don't want to be bullied. I'm not strong enough. Well, I guess the pandemic has toughened him up because he has no. definitely embraced the fame. But it's not it's okay. not just uh, Lee Min Ho that he was compared to, right? Um, oh yes, there were other people I, as well, not just. I don't I, I don't know if there's like an element of racism here. I don't want to say I don't want to conclusively Why? say that that is the case because uh, he said people, including his friends, tell him that he also resemble resembles a number of Asian stars such as um, Indonesian TV personality Boy William, Super Junior, remember. Choi C1 and Hong Kong actor, singer, songwriter Andy Lau. I mean, they, none of those people look alike. That I, none of those people that I mentioned actually do look alike anyway. So, yeah, yeah, you're right, man. I was sorry. I just had to look out who Boy William was. Sorry, Boy William. Um, <laughs> but there's also like a comparison to Andy Lau. Mm, I'm not getting that Lau, either. But, I'm already not getting yeah. the the comparison with Lee Min Ho, but. Mm, yeah, I see yeah what whatever, mean. man. Even the hair is like... Yeah. Maybe just call him good-looking and full stop. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even go there. I oh. mean, beauty is subjective. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, there's like a lot of people who think he's on the good-looking side. So, there's nothing wrong with just calling a person good-looking without having the pressure to like compare the person to someone and like trying so hard to, to but- force the resemblance. But that's a thing with like with, with this K-pop craze in Indonesia, though. Oh yeah, everyone, Was everyone kind of, everyone wants to see like K, um, K-pop. K relevance. In everyone everyone. <laughs> sees K-pop 
K-pop references like everywhere they go. This guy, oh, he's slightly, you know, good looking. Oh, he looks like Lee Min Ho, uh, whoever that uh, is, you know. Oh, they gotta K-popify everyone. Yeah, Indonesia is it just can't get enough of K-pop or K-drama right. or, so, or whatever. So let's say if people, if the fans were to compare you to like a K-star, and you get to choose who they can compare you to, who would that be? Um, oh God. I only know one actor's name, but uh, at the top of my head, and I I look nothing like him. But since <laughs> he's the only one I know, I, I he, he's my answer by default. Okay, Gong Yu. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one I know. Yeah, nothing like. But who cares, right? Like it doesn't matter whether you look alike or not, as long as like no. there's there's some name. Just throw some name. Okay, he is okay, a cool. beautiful man, though. Like yeah, you gotta he... admit. He's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Not bad looking. Yeah, yeah. not bad. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Gong Yu is not bad looking. That's what yeah, I'm referring yeah. to. Okay. All right. Anyway. Moving on. In KL, uh, somebody by the name of Tony Fernandez, <laughs> aka Air Asia Boss, he kind of misread the room. Um, uh, you know, the whole country suffering from the pandemic when he posted when he showed off his new 230,000 ringgit Tesla. Um, so the 57-year-old Malaysian businessman, he, he kind of like boasted about being able to afford the high-end, high-tech car. And that prompted a lot of angry customers to demand for air ticket refunds. And, you know, with the whole pandemic kind of putting people out of their jobs, including his own employees, a lot of the disgruntled employees who may have had to take pay cuts, by the way, they were like asking for their salaries to be paid on time. So um, that is this is like a PR disaster uh, by Mr. Fernandez here. It is a sweet car, though, the Tesla Model Y. Oh, are you eyeing one of those? <laughs> no, fuck, they're fucking expensive. Yeah, 200, <laughs> 230,000 ringgit. That's like $55,000. Right, you got to own like an airline for that, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um some of the people who uh criticized him, they they mentioned like they they pointed out something I didn't know beforehand which was that um those who uh requested for refunds, they they would be refunded not through cash but through Air Asia credit. Mm, yeah. <laughs> She's like And just, I wonder when that expires, right? Like Right? When early 2022 when, yeah <laughs> when the pandemic ends when's that gonna be hmm. yes so this this kind of just this story though it just kind of fell off the uh, wayside really. like people were just angry momentarily but then nothing really came out of it um yeah tony still still got his model y and people yeah. were still shortchanged yeah um yeah you know again people in power do whatever they mm -hmm. like Especially this happened after um Air Asia was caught in this drama where like an internal Zoom call was leaked and then the video showed the Thai Air Asia boss um talking down at their female colleague, mm, like telling her to yeah. like speed up or like what's the story or he was just basically speaking really like rudely to her and then that video got leaked and Tony Fernandez was also there. Like you could see his face, like his screen in the internal Zoom call, and he was just like laughing along with uh, along with the others. So this Tesla story like came out after that, and that situation um attracted a lot of rage. 
and just people just slamming them for treating uh, female employees that way. Mm. And yeah, even that one, um, it drew rage, but then it just died down. And then yeah. moments later, this story came out and it's like the same thing. It drew rage and then it died down and then like there's no action taken. I think a lot of it has to do with um, the fact that um, you know, love them or hate them, we do need AirAsia and like, and all mm. the other low-cost carriers in this region. True that. They are, they are huge for a reason. Like people depend on them. Mm. So yeah. And in Manila, this tragic story literally like rocked the whole country. It was the death of um, flight attendant. Her name is Christine Angelica Desera, 23 years old. She was. As she died after um, her body was found in the bathtub of a hotel um, after celebrating New Year's with her friends. So this case, it really like devastated not just the family, obviously, but also like the whole country because um, it really hit on so many different types of nerves, right? Um, because this woman, she, she was celebrating um, New Year's with her friends and then they went to a hotel, they checked into a hotel. And then for some reason, there were all these other guys in the area uh, that entered the room. And then suddenly the next day, she was found um, unconscious in the bathtub. And then they took to the took her to the hospital. And then that was when she was uh, pronounced dead. Mm. And then, then after that, there's all these questions about how she died. That up until this day, like a year, <laughs> we're like ro- approaching a year since her death. Um, it's still inconclusive, um, even though they've pretty much the the authorities have pretty much closed the chapter on it, and the court charged eleven people only to clear the charges after that, mm, because they yeah, couldn't really. find it. The, well, according to them, there was just nothing conclusive, and it's just so devastating for especially the mom who's been like trying to get closure and trying to get a lot of answers because there were so many. The clues or like there were so many like pieces of information that was revealed to the public but they just didn't match there were just so many gaps in between so some of the yeah. information was that you know at first they said that you know she could have been she, she she was raped she may have been raped because they found uh, traces of sperm and then they found uh, bruises on her body and lacerations in a like private area then after that the thing, the the plot started to change because then they said, "Oh, um, having uh, evidence of the sperm doesn't doesn't directly mean that she was raped." <laughs> so mm. it kind of like, yeah, it just became such a such a inconsistent narrative, and it's just so frustrating for people, yeah. especially especially with like a case that's happening in a country where people are just so sick and tired of women being treated unfairly. Mm. Yeah, so it's like. It's riding on the back of that and it's just drawing all these emotions from all corners of um, the community in the Philippines. Yeah. So. And rightly so. It's just su- it's such a shame that there is no conclusion to this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, up until today, it's like a year later. And it was, yeah, it was like the start of the new year. And then Philippines was rocked by this devastating death of this young 23-year-old flight attendant yeah so all the nerves that it hit like i'm not surprised that um that was why it became like one of the most read stories in in manila this year all right and um 
we move over to Singapore, where, you know, upon reading this story, the most popular story uh, in all of 2021 in Singapore, and it, it, it hit me that in Singapore, you guys seem to make a pretty big deal out of buildings being demolished and buildings being bought out, don't you? Yes. It's, it's, it's a limited <laughs> space, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also like an emotional issue. Like it's people, people have, buildings have sentimental value to Singaporeans for some mm. reason. Yeah. Especially when the building has like, his, like is part of history. The oldest buildings, I think especially the ones that have like a unique design or it's just iconic or has touched so many lives. And then they just demolish it. Yeah. yeah. And then that coupled with, you know, the obsession by the authorities to just keep redeveloping, redeveloping areas so that the, the land remains valuable. <laughs> right. But one one building that is not being demolished is this Eden condo uh, at yep. T. Drake Park, which was sold um, earlier this year for nearly $300 million. Singapore dollars, that's 217 million US. And we don't know the buyer newly. We describe them as a mystery Chinese family. Um, yeah. And probably more, more uh, several more parties. Do, do you know what would have happened if they hadn't bought the condo? Like, do you think it would have been transformed or, or anything like that? Oh, no, because this is a new condo. Okay. Yes. So, so it's, this is it's... just crazy rich Asians just. Being doing their thing yeah yeah because it's uh we've we always hear stories of billionaires buying um top properties like maybe but maybe just a penthouse or maybe just a couple of stories and then that would mm. cost them like a couple of billion dollars like no biggie you know <laughs> yeah but but it was so rare to hear like a single buyer um uh, purchasing the whole apartment 20 um, units yeah, but um, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't like a, it's kind of a single buyer, I think, um, because they all came from the same family, but like different people bought different number of units. So it's still multiple buyers buying wow. the units, but they all came from like the same family. So yeah. like an an so, aunt gets a gets a floor, uh, mm. uh, a cousin gets a floor, mm. probably right, something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's a wow. family condo. It's like literally, it's like the whole family owns the whole condominium Jeez. complex. Yeah, so the um the rumor is that the family is actually um the family that owns the one one snack. Have you heard of the one one snack? No, I'm not familiar. Okay, so it's a Taiwanese snack. It's like rice uh -huh. crackers. It's kind of like savory but kind of sweet as well. It's like it's been around for ages. I eat it. I ate it when I was like a little kid, and it's still selling in supermarkets in Singapore right now. Uh -huh. So it's the family behind that famous brand. Oh. It's one one. Even so the you, you kind of con contributed contributed to buy to them buying their condo. Yeah, maybe I should like knock on their doors this Christmas. <laughs> hey, I bought I bought like a lampshade's worth of one one snack. When yeah. I was little, <laughs> <laughs> I deserve a seat at the table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I come and bring one one snacks. <laughs> oh man, yeah. like I wonder how much like monthly bill uh, monthly bills they rack up. Like how much oh. in electricity and oh my god, I'm not sure if that's even a concern, man. That's yeah. like only regular people like us think about every month. <laughs> Why can't we be like them? 
I'm kidding. I don't want to be like them. If I if if you had that much money, would you drop it on a 20 unit condo or would you build a school for underprivileged kids? I mean, it's not a question for me. So, oh, I'll definitely just, build schools. Exactly. I'm just saying this this family probably probably already have like cozy houses elsewhere. Um, multiple, in fact. I mean, did they really have to drop that much on a whole condo building? No. Yeah. I guess they spend more on wants than needs. That's why they're <laughs> behind one one. <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, rich people really do be doing rich things. Mm. That's Singapore. And next is oh, this is actually one of my favorite stories of the year. I still <laughs> love when I think about it. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, it happened in such a at such a frightening time for an entire nation. So while the whole of Myanmar was just sitting in fear as their country was being taken over by the military, one aerobics dancer just kept dancing mm. for a in front of the camera. She just kept on dancing and dancing. So. I'm not sure if a lot of uh, you listeners over there know, but there was this video that went really viral at the start of this year in February when um the military coup happened in Myanmar. The video of this aerobic dancer who just kept on dancing, and filmed her workout video. Obviously, she was facing the camera, so she's not aware of what's happening behind her. Where there's like this, this five multiple, like this really wide road, and there are like the military tanks and all of the uh, cars that are escorting the military tank driving behind her. She's just not aware of it at all. She just continued dancing. So that video really did well this year. I I don't blame her for continuing dancing. One because she probably couldn't see what was um, going on behind her, but two, the tune she was dancing to. Fun fact is an Indonesian hit. <laughs> It's called Ampun Bang Jago, and it is infectious as fuck. <gasps> oh, is it? Who sang yeah. it? Uh, I have no idea. It's like. It was the the TikTok tune at the time in Indonesia, and it made its way to Myanmar. And mm. uh, and through this this aerobics uh, instructor's video, it made its way around the world. <laughs> right, TikTok has made like so many little like lesser known artists suddenly become like popular just because people kept using their song on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, like there are songs from by artists. Not even artists. I like probably just bedroom tune makers in South Africa. They put up the song on TikTok, and suddenly everyone's using the song. It's quite crazy. That's like that used to happen on YouTube, didn't it? <laughs> People mm, make songs yeah. on YouTube, and then they become popular. Then they be, then they're dubbed as the YouTube singer or YouTube artist. But now it's becoming like a thing that's happening on TikTok instead. Who knows? Maybe like you TikTok music producers. Maybe someday you will be inadvertently. Have your tune become the uh, theme to a military coup? So right, or the, or the backdrop, uh, the background music for for a military coup become propaganda music. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go and watch this video again. It's it's still funny to me. I mean, it's just amusing. It's like it's horrifying, but it's amusing at the same time. It's just, it's so weird. Like no video has made me feel that way except for this video. And I watch it again, I still feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of. 
kind of encapsulates what 2021 was about, what uh, didn't it? Her moves. Uh, right. <laughs> and the dissonance between what was going on, like visually and audio and, and, and audio. It's just yeah, 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the world just keeps on burning and then you just keep on dancing. That's exactly <laughs> what this video is about. <laughs> so yeah, that was the uh, last episode of 2021 of the Coconuts podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, all you regular listeners and the occasional listeners, we do enjoy your company. And um, yeah, I guess we'll be back in January. Am I right? <gasps> Woohoo! Goodbye. Goodbye, world. Uh, Goodbye, year. Goodbye, 2021. I will not miss you. <laughs> we need a little break. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. And have a good break. Enjoy your holidays. Yep. Stay safe. Stay, stay healthy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Cocoa Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy our fresh merch at the Coconut Shop at shop.coconuts.co. Need something to go on your head? How about your wall? We've just dropped some limited edition exclusive merch for our 10th anniversary. Check them out at shop.coconuts.co. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. The Coconuts Podcast delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by a journalist on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news and insightful interviews on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. The Coconuts Podcast is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Nurul Azlia and Andra Nasri. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Paul Medina. <laughs>